0: the Italian American podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We do that by speaking to Italian Americans in all different age ranges, professions, and locations. And in this episode, we're talking to the very talented singer, dancer, percussionist, director, and author, Alessandra Belloni, who will tell you a little bit more about in a moment. I'm your co-host, Anthony Fasano, and my better half on this podcast is, of course, Dolores Alfieri, and we're very excited to be bringing this episode to you today. Dolores and I spoke to Alessandra for a good 45 minutes to an hour for this interview, and I believe we only scratched the surface on some of these really interesting topics, which really focus around some Southern Italian traditions. You'll hear the word Tarantism, which she'll talk about in the interview at length, and I'll give you a little quote here in a moment to bring us into it, but it's really interesting stuff, and I know our listeners, believe me, as soon as Dolores and I read about her and started talking to her, we knew that you were going to absolutely love this episode. I also want to say quickly, thank you so much for the feedback on the the first full episode of the Italian American Power Hour, which was our last episode, which we... Kind of, I don't want to say in jest because it was serious, but the title that we came up for, you know, how much do you put in the envelope at the wedding, which kind of was just setting the scene for an all out discussion about Italian American weddings and what they've evolved into. And if you missed the episode, it's episode 64 on our website, ItalianAmericanExperience.com. But we've got great feedback and we plan to continue bringing you those episodes most likely roughly once a month. In addition to our regular episodes, regular interview episodes that we'll also keep doing at least once a month. And again, if you ever want to give us ideas for the Power Hour, you can feel free to email us, Anthony or Dolores at Italian Experience.com. So before we introduce Alessandra, we'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, DirecTV. Things just aren't the same without your favorite drama, variety, news, and entertainment from Italy. Now you can get Mediaset Italia from DirecTV and enjoy all things Italia. Enjoy your favorite shows from channels Canale 5, Italia 1, and Rate 4 with Mediaset Italia for $10 per month plus taxes. Plus, get a $100 AT&T Visa reward card when you sign up with qualifying DirecTV service with a 24-month agreement redeemed within 75 days you receive the card within four weeks and that offer ends june 30th 2018 call 877-778-4794 today again that's 877-778-4794 mediaset etalia requires activation of a qualifying base package hardware available separately In regard to the $100 reward card, requires purchase of qualifying preferred choice bundle minimum of $29.99 per month promo price for 12 months through card fulfillment. Select locations for new residential customers in the U.S. excludes Puerto Rico and United States Virgin Islands. Early termination fee of $20 per month for each month remaining on agreement. $35 activation, equipment non-return, and additional fees. Exclusions and restrictions apply. Reward card issued by U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to licenses from Visa USA, Inc. Call one 778 4794 or visit att.com for full details. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode and... Bring it into this, really, what I thought was a powerful interview, Alessandra Bologna is the artistic director, founder, and lead performer of E Giulati di Piazza, an Italian music theater and dance ensemble. She's also artist in residence at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City, as well as the designer of a line of signature series Italian tambourines made by Remo. She's the only woman in the United States and Italy who specializes in traditional Southern Italian folk dances and percussion combined with singing that she learned in Southern Italy. And just to get you ready for this interview, I'm going to read a portion of a quote from her Facebook page that kind of sets the scene for what we're going to talk a little bit about in this interview. The quote is as follows. The bite of the tarantula was a myth applied to a condition familiar to women through the centuries who experienced abuse, repressed sexuality, powerlessness, and the feeling of being caught in a web that binds them. Sufferers known as tarantate, tarantismo." A Lethal Mixture of Depression, Loneliness, and Oppression. All right, now we are excited to welcome on to the podcast singer, percussionist, dancer, director, author, Alessandra Belloni. Alessandra, welcome to the Italian American Podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Grazie. Ciao, Alessandra.
2: It's great to speak with you.
1: Great to be with you guys. Very happy. So there's
2: so much in your career and there's so much that you do. You're a a Renaissance woman for sure. So I I almost don't know where to begin, but I'll begin where we usually begin our episodes, which is uh, asking you to tell our listeners a little bit about your upbringing. Tell us, you know, Mm -hmm. where you come from.
1: I was born in Rome, and um, I come from a very interesting, unusual family. My mother has a Spanish background. My father looked kind of mixed blood. Could, he could have been Native American, part African. So we we kind of sticked out in Italy. We did not look like the typical people from Rome. Mm. And um, so we, I always felt a little bit different. And by my my maternal grandparents played the folk music, the you know, from Lazio, from the south of Rome. And they play this really, you know, fun, tarantellas, saltarellos, sornelli, that's what they're called. Uh, So where I grew up, we listened to this folk music in the family gatherings on Sundays. But at that time, of course, we didn't like it, me and my brother and sister. And and we wanted to hear rock and roll. (laughs) And we all had the American dream, as you know, Mm -hmm. right after World War II, uh, you know, America liberated Italy, so the Italians, that I come from especially, lived with that dream. But even though my mother especially had a very bad tragedy happen during the bombing of Rome, they bombed her building, and the building was bombed by the Americans. I don't know if you're aware of that. Wow, that no, The Americans no. had to bomb a section of Rome in order to liberate Rome and Italy from the Nazis. Wow. So my mother was in that. Okay. And, it's, and it's a very interesting story because she had a dream, premonition, that it was going to happen because she had a lot of powers from her side, um, her mother's side of the family, very psychic. And then she was saved by the painting of the Madonna, and then she saved the life of uh, her mother when she was 25. And then um, she got a gold medal from the Queen of Italy. Whoa, so we had whoa. a very interesting, yeah, very beautiful.
2: <laughs> I don't even so know where I, to start. I, and I just... love
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up listening to this story over and over which obviously it was for me it's like I was in it and uh, I do
2: know I know that so, feeling.
1: Yeah. yeah. You have you been to Rome I suppose, right? Yes, we
2: yes. both have. Anthony's yeah. been, right?
1: Yeah, I've been. Yeah. So if you go back, you know, the section in Rome that was bombed in July 1943 is called San Lorenzo. It's by the train station. It's a very beautiful basilica, there, a very ancient basilica. So that's where my mother's side of the family is from, uh, from that area, which is also uh, politically known as a leftist area. So I have a very interesting background. My father was a leftist, but my mother was very Catholic. Mm. So, so it's that is a, yeah. Uh, again, unusual family, I must say. Um, I have to
2: stop you and rewind a minute, and you have because I feel like our listeners are going to send us emails if I don't ask you and say your mother was saved by the. Picture of the Madonna. The painting of the Madonna. The painting. Can no. you can you explain, tell us that story?
1: Yeah, so my mother had a dream that they, there was an explosion and the next day they were going to bomb Rome and then she was falling through the uh, debris and through this, uh, you know, the explosion. But over her was the painting of their family with called Madonna della Strada. And so because she knew she had these powers, she told everybody something's going to happen and the sirens came. And that's exactly what happened. When I, as the explosion came, my mother ended up with her two sisters, younger sisters, but hanging on to this painting, La Madonna della Strada, exactly like she dreamed it. And so she always told me that she was miracled by the Madonna, obviously, because she didn't die, neither did her sisters. But my grandmother was buried, and uh, my mother searched for her and found her... Because her hand was sticking out of the debris and she found her, she saw the family ring. And my mother digged her uh, with her own hands. It is so true, but this is not a film. <laughs> she digged her out and brought her to a truck full of Nazis and they brought her to the hospital and saved oh, her life. She was gosh. paralyzed. And grandmother was 42 and lost her legs. You know, but oh, um, gosh. yeah, it's a very uh, interesting, tragic story, I must say, to grow up with. But I like to say it now because I've been finishing my. Second book, and um because it's a story of courage of women, and I think Italian women, especially have a lot of courage. they're very strong. I don't have the typical immigrant story of people came here like with their grandparents and all that. It's a different story, but still a story of courage that taught me I will be strong for sure
2: absolutely <laughs> i I actually am left a little speechless by that story, and Alessandra, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs>
1: No, I mean, thank God, because that explosion, you know, of course, uh, then my, you know, my father was engaged to her and uh, he was somewhere else. So when they all went to that site, which no longer existed because it was completely flat down, then they couldn't find them. And then there is the whole other side of the story. They found them in the hospital and they got married in that hospital. Uh, And that's when she received the award for saving them. Um, my grandmother. So my mother is my hero, my mentor. You know, she's no longer alive, but she's always with me. She's
2: always with you, of course. How did you end up here in America? What's that story?
1: Okay, ready for this? I'm right. <laughs> I can't
2: wait.
1: <laughs> you think? Again, it's not a typical story. So, again, I, I had an unusual family, as I said, and my sister, who's older, Gabriella, she was um, working for Rai Television in Rome as a journalist, and she wanted to leave Italy to explore a country of freedom, especially for women, because it's changed now, but Italy has more of a patriarchal society, and we were kind of a victim of that. My father, you know, was free for himself, but he was not good to us. He was not a very good father. So she dreamed of getting out, and she's, you know, 10 years older than me, so she ended up having a nervous breakdown, and believe it or not, she she got over her nervous breakdown by coming to New York City in 1970 and to study film at NYU. And so she had a great uh, situation with the family in uh, the village and she went to NYU school, film school. And then after one year, my mother you know my parents were separated, which is also unusual for that time in Italy that didn't happen. And my mother just one day said, we're going to New York. And I went, ta-da, yes. (laughs) And I saw freedom, you know, because imagine, it was 1971. I was part of that, you know, revolution a little bit, 1968, 1969 and all that. And I wanted to be free to be an artist. So because what had just happened and my father didn't let me be an artist. Uh, I was cast by a very famous actress, Anna Magnani to be her niece in a play, La Lupa, The She-Wolf, by Giovanni Virga. I hope you know who Anna Magnani is because she was amazing.
2: I do, I com- do. And I got to say, I'm just going to take this moment since you brought her up, that one time someone even told me that I reminded
1: them of yeah. her. So. You have the same smile and the same <laughs> different colors. Yes, but it, well, the- I think
2: my hair was darker too then, but I took that as a very high compliment, uh-huh. yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no actress like that. So, so I had this blessing. I was cast by her to be her niece in, a, wow. uh, in this play when I was 14. My father didn't let me do it. And after that, we all uh, realized, my mother and my sister and I, again, saw the women's stories that uh, that there was um, you know, a need of freedom, of freedom of expression, really. So that's how we, we ended up in the United States. My sister left first. My mother took me here on vacation for a month and I never went back. I went back, but not to live. I decided to make it my home. At that very young age, I was a teenager, and because I felt that if I wanted to be an artist, New York was gonna make it possible, and not Rome, not my my situation in Rome. And my mother understood. You know, she cried a lot, and she understood. And then she came back and to see how I was doing, and and she was so proud. And then I decided to do this full time to be an actress musician and she supported me all the way what is mind-blowing for my family is that i ended up doing the tarantella that my grandparents
2: played i laughed earlier when you said that at that age you didn't want to listen to those songs because you know anthony and i have been doing this show for over two years now and it's uh-huh. it's a very reoccurring theme i think for for young people in general but for our culture especially so many people regret that they didn't, you know, pay more attention when their grandparents told stories or spoke Italian. Yeah. And then they get older, and part of the reason they come to our show is because they realize how much they do want that connection.
1: It's very yeah, common. And, and for me, it was very, totally unexpected because I was studying music theater, and I met in, in Greenwich Village. I was working in films. You know, I, I worked in, with Fellini in Rome, in Casanova. And really? then I worked here in next up the Greenwich Village. That was all thanks to my mother too. My mother at some at age fifty eight lived her own dream. She became an actress and she worked with all the top film directors of Italy. Every one of them really? Then, yeah. She worked with Sofia Lorraine with Mastroianni, with Fellini many times. Because she was always theatrical. She she was really good looking when she was young. And um but no one would let her be an artist you know in that time in and, and because, you know, the whole thing was, if you are a woman actress, it's is synonym of being not an honest woman and, you know, kind of giving yourself. And so my mother lived her dream when she turned 58, shocking everybody, you know, keeping her integrity. You know, she only knew one man in her whole life was my father, who was not good to her, very, you know, loyal to the man that was not loyal to her, but, but she lived this dream. So that encouraged me to do that. You know, I would look at her and say, she's doing it, I can do it too so she got me the part with Fellini but then when I came back here I really I know I love theater more than film and I started my theater company with John Barbera, who's a great guitarist which I think someday you should interview him too he has a really interesting story Okay, well. great. Uh, and then we that was it in 1979 we began this research of folk music and going to Italy you know every summer for many months and then my mother and everybody looked at me, and I said, "Well, you're playing the music of your grandparents, <laughs> mm, wow. and the instrument that my grandfather played—he played the tambourine. Plus, he played mandolin too." But and I didn't realize it in the beginning. I really didn't. I knew I loved it. You know, something really hit my heart, and I gave up film. And then it was wow. Then it is true. Something happens, and your um, you know your ancestors are with you, mm. even if you're not. Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. You know, I've seen you perform, Alessandra, and I'd like for you to talk about your connection. You're talking a little bit about it so far, but your connection between dance, folk music, female energy, and healing. Mm-hmm. I feel uh-huh. like that's a lot of what you do and what I pick
1: up from you. Yeah, you got it. it's true. Well, I didn't know in the beginning how deep this tradition goes into the pre-Christian times of healing, especially through the Tarantella dance, the tambourine, and the tradition of the Black Madonna. So as I began this path of doing field research in Italy and then bring it back to stage in New York, I always found myself in these processions with women chanting, the women playing tambourine all night long, and a lot of miracles, a lot of healing happened. And as I was really young, I then I decided to research more, and of course to study things in the books that talk about anthropology, ethnology, spirituality, comparative religion. So re, I realized in the research that what I was feeling obviously was an ancient tradition that goes back. In, in, you know, in regards to the tarantella, we know it goes back to pre-Christian times, as the women known as has used these instruments and this dance to really let go and to uh, have visions and to, you know, they were like shamans pretty much to lead ceremonies in honor of the goddess Chibele, goddess of the earth and Dionysus, the god of ecstasy, wine, very complex myth actually. So when I was experiencing these things without knowing, I felt it myself. And then it was a time where I was sick and I had a cancerous condition and, um, in 1986, and I had a vision when I woke up from an of the Black Madonna, which I had seen in all these places, over my bed, telling me that I had to feel other people's pain and I had to follow her path. And and this really transformed my life. It was a whole, a new awakening. So I began to do that research of how the drumming, especially the Italian tambourine and frame drum, was used by priestesses. To lead ceremonies for women, who at that time, even in greek christian times, they speak about depression. In you know, even the Greek philosophers speak about it. But before Western medicine, these our dances, especially, were used to heal for ceremonial and also for devotion. So honoring first, you know, was the Earth Mother, then Mary, Mother of Christ. It's overlapped. But that's the beauty of our Southern Italian culture that a lot of people are not aware of. Mm. It's not entertainment. It started as devotional ceremonial healing done mainly by women. So as you pick up, that's my mission. Absolutely. <laughs> to bring it to others and help others. Yeah. So I healed myself, also dancing at the Tarantella when I was sick again and I was bleeding. It was a very intense time. And after I dance and heal myself, then I began my healing workshops, which I call Freedom is the Cure. Because freedom wow. is the cure.
2: The freedom. The, uh, go ahead, Ann. No, no. <laughs> like I'm 100, 100 questions.
0: That, that, <laughs> well, no, I'm saying that <laughs> okay, the, you can what, you just, what you just talked about, or what you just said there at the end, I think. <laughs> Maybe yeah. you could talk a little exactly, bit more that's about that's it. Exactly I think what I was that's important. Say.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, what meaning? Which part? The, f- the freedom. Is the cure? Yeah, yeah. Well, now, you know, there is a lot of study on that, um, you know, with music therapy and um, the drum company that I'm part of, Remote, that they can prove that rhythm can bring back a lost balance of the body or the mind or the soul. What I know from my personal experience, first, without a scientific explanation, that when I was sick again in 1991, instead of going for another surgery, I danced the Tarantella, the Pizzica Tarantella on stage because we had a show, and um, and but I didn't know in the formula, the prayers, why it helped, because I had studied it, I had staged it, and it worked. In 20 minutes, I was cured, no, no more bleeding. I went to back to the doctor, I canceled the surgery. They thought I was crazy, but I knew I wasn't crazy, and I was guided into that direction. Now I understand that I was guided into that direction. And then just out of curiosity, I said, I should start this with other women, because uh, obviously, this is not something of the past. The ancient people and the peasants, the Southern Italian peasants, knew this. That's what they used to cure, to help, especially people in depression, people who suffer from trauma, even suicide mania. That now it's a very interesting topic. And then I, so I started just by experimenting with women who had cysts and other forms of um, like what I had, dysplasia, and it really helped. So. It went away. The cysts went away. The bleeding went away. Some people that weren't uh, couldn't get pregnant got pregnant. And so this was back, you know, in the 90s. And then I started this focusing on these workshops. So what I do now when I lead the workshops, one coming up in Tuscany you know, in August, is I realize that there is a power that is above me, which I call the divine power of the Black Madonna, and. And that somehow I have to channel that power as they did the southern Italian women in Puglia when they played for the Tarantate. Are you familiar with that a little bit of the Tarantismo, what it is? Or you want me to explain it? Oh, go
2: ahead and explain
1: you should it. You explain it. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's a mythical bite of the Tarantula, right? You might, you might have heard of that. So people thought for many centuries that the women were bitten, especially women, some men, by the spider, the Tarantula they suffered, this madness was caused by the bite, by the poison of the spider. So there were a lot of studies done on that. And the musicians knew the cure, so they would come and uh, play around a person called Tarantata or Tarantado for three days and three nights, all dressed in white, and they would expel the poison out of the body and then come back to a normal life. But And this always happened in June, and it ended on June 29th. But then Late 1950s and early 60s, fantastic uh, Italian ethnomusicologists, anthropologists, and a team went down to Puglia to study the Tarantati. And this book, I, I suggest everyone should get it if your interest is called "The Land of Remorse," is in English now by Ernesto De Martino. It explains how this is a form. It was not a bite. It was a mythical bite, as women and some men. Felt caught in the spider web of their society because they could not express, especially their sexuality or their love if they lost a loved one or are uh, quite in love, or they, especially women were abused. So they fell in, into this depression called Tarantismo, and the only cure was the music and the dance. And it worked. So they did this for centuries and centuries, and De Martino explains how it ties back to the Bacchus, so the women who were initiated in the mysteries of Dionysus and the goddess Cibele in ancient Greece, because Italy was part of ancient Greece, Magna Grecia. So this is what I studied and what I learned in books, (laughs) because I wasn't there when they were curing the Tarantati. But then I experimented it on myself and other women and some men, too, and it works. So that's the beauty of our culture that nobody really knows yet much
0: that's and It,
1: should, it yeah. should be known. And I bring, you know, I've done it in hospitals, I've done it in mental institutions, in different places, but especially one to one. And it works.
2: Right. As you've made clear, this is not a metaphor for you. Not at all. It's real. It's healing. Real. It's medicine.
0: Very
1: real. You're, it's you're lying. Lie. It's our medicine.
0: Dolores, did you know that about the Tarantella, about the spider? I didn't know that. I did. did I did. I didn't know okay. all the
2: details uh, Alessandra just laid out, but I ha- that's actually all. I will say all I really had heard about the Tarantella that it was once thought to be a bite. And then the women, especially who were depressed used to dance right. it together.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Which so makes now, sense know, to me. Now, Yeah. You can find a lot of stuff on the internet. There's a lot of books written about it, uh, films, but I know for a fact, because I'm in touch with the people in Italy that no one is doing what I'm doing. That's why I'm training other people like Mallory, you know, um, uh, because it's a legacy that I would like to leave that there is a power to this, and that you can. The really complicated part is the tambourine. The tambourine is the shamanic instrument that leads the trance. So, the trance rhythm, that's why I say rhythm is secure, is a 6 8 rhythm, which is also an African rhythm, or 12 8. So, that part is very, very fast, and it gets the person to let go, to let go of the mind, so that the body by itself can expel the trauma. So that's really what I how I can explain it. If you let go of the mud the mind and the ego where your trauma is stuck, that's the web, then the body can expel the pain, the things that are trapped. And that body can do it by itself if you don't stop it. So that's why this dance works. I can I have a lot of testimonials on this by the way. And proud to say that I just finished writing a very important book about all of this, the Black Madonna and this. <laughs> We're <laughs> going to link to
2: those books. Is the book published yeah. yet or you just finished no, writing it? No, I just,
1: I just finished writing it. It's a very big deal. It's a long book. If all goes well, it'll be out next spring with a very important publisher. So um, hopefully I would like to be back on when I know exactly when it's released in a few months and and explain more. I yes. just feel it like now everyone should know I finished writing, but when I'm ready to announce it, I will. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let us
0: know. because we. A pages, so it's wow!
2: Awesome. Oh. Yeah, that's a lot of work. You know, in your yeah. description you just gave us of the dancing, is that you dancing around someone or is the person themselves dancing?
1: It's a person dancing. I begin... The ritual, the way I lead it, is different. The way they did it in Puglia was uh, one person only, the tarantada, for three days and three nights with the musicians around, which is guitar, violin, accordion, and especially the tambourine it was always played by women. I lead it in a circle with different, with a group because a group healing is very important, and everybody you know wears white and red, the traditional colors. I begin. Uh, the dance because I open the ritual so I do the, that dance part myself and the first part is on the ground so you have to let yourself fall backwards on your back and become the spider and move like a spider so it's very sensual and then when you're ready you get up and spin a lot of spinning spinning is very healing in all traditions so I lead it first and then the, each person goes down one by one by one until we're all done and then we all spin around together and then end on the floor in a meditation. So that part I created, it's not the way it was done in, um, you know, in Puglia. I adapted it to my, to, actually even to today, when I realized that the group can heal more than one person. If you said, so it's based on compassion to, like you said, like love and compassion to a person who's suffering. Mm. Well said, and, and I've seen a lot of women suffer, Dolores. I have stories that you would not believe. I'm sure you
2: do. Your stories are terrific and Which sad my, and real. And yeah,
1: these women's stories from all over the world. It's the same.
0: We, I think, as Italian Americans, obviously only know what's been passed down to us right. and right. what what our family has always done. But you know, if we get to talk to people like you and we get to do some research and get to go back to Italy, we right. can you know, learn more, which I think is interesting. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm interested in the story you just told us about the spider because I just never, I never learned about that. I never got that deep into it. Um,
1: yeah, I did a whole musical on it called Spider Dance. But, you know, again, that was one of the things I was trying to get backers, investors, to do a musical about art and, you know, like River Dance. My idea is to do something exactly like River Dance called Spider Dance, and it works. But because people don't know our culture, I could not get it through, like to get it to Broadway because people say, Who's interested in this? Isn't really? that crazy? Well, I Everyone knows uh, Riverdance because I re- all the Irish people kept the authentic tradition, you know, step dance, the jigs, the real, all the Irish people know those songs, but the Italian Americans never listened to this music. So it's, we couldn't it's get true, a Broadway show.
2: It's true because I was not taught how to do the Tarantella the way, I'm sure, my female
1: ancestors did it. What is your background from? I'm sorry, I forgot.
2: From uh, my mother's from a small town called Baiano. My father's from a small town called Saviano, where, you know, south of Naples, Campania. Yeah,
1: Baiano, I know. Do you? Sure, they have a great tradition there of Tamoriata. Is that right? Black Madonna, yeah. They all do the pilgrimage, singing, drumming and dancing to the Black Madonna every September. To Montevergine. Oh, Beautiful that's place. right.
2: Yes, that part I know.
1: Uh, yeah, it's part of my deeps research i love that area
2: that's where uh we always went whenever we go to italy whenever you I went, went my to parents. yes yes
1: mm-hmm. oh you're mm-hmm. so blessed dolores <laughs> no wonder you are who you are and what you're doing thank you i
2: mean i'm very fortunate I, I you know i grew up with so many of these traditions but just on this topic it's true we weren't passed down specific things like that i actually wonder if my mother even knows it i would doubt it my aunt might who was, who a lot was born older. there
1: your grandmother or your mother my, my mother and father were born there so they know it. They, I know they know it. It's impossible they don't know it because that's like their, instead of rock music, they did the tamoriada there. So I'm going <laughs> to cool. ask, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to ask my mother when we we'll, hang up. Yeah. Ask her about the castanets, the large drum, the devotion to the Montevergine and the chants. What's the that's dance again? I'm going to
2: write it down. Tambe. Yeah.
1: Tamoriata, T-A-M-O-R-R-I-A-T-A. Tamoriata comes from the large drum, the Tamorra. The beautiful, large frame drums that honor the Black Madonna of Montevergine. That's the main Madonna of the Seven Sisters. That's my book really starts from there. And I love that area.
2: I was going to say that as we're recording this, I'm actually leaving tomorrow to go to Italy for two and a half weeks. Brava. (laughs) Are you
1: going to Montevergine? You (laughs) you know what?
2: I, I actually was not thinking about it, but I think I will now because I am going to go to that area, you know, for a couple of days to see my family. So I think I should make yes. a trip and light a candle.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I we go to there every up. year and I, I take my group there, which, you know, I wanted to say that, that before we end, I take a pilgrimage to the Black Madonna sites and we go to Monte Virginia. But I think what, what I wanted to say before I forget is that I'm curious to know for both of you, you should ask your parents because my feeling is that they were made feel ashamed here, due to, to prejudice against Italians of keeping those traditions alive. And this is what I think.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I know that my grandmother, who her parents immigrated here and then had her, they and we've talked about this before in the show, is that they tried to, to get them to assimilate into the mm-hmm. American way of living as soon as possible. They tried to get them to stop speaking Italian when they went to school and stuff because they were... You know, they wanted them to blend in with their new country. So yeah. I think a lot of what we're talking about here in terms of like why we don't know the, the true Tarantella is because they were moving away from those things when they came yeah. here.
1: And I'm sure they were if they were doing something because our dance is way more central than the Irish dance, especially the Tam Moriata. If you go to Monte Virginia, you'll understand what I'm saying. It's a couple's dance. It's really beautiful. And I'm sure that if they did those things, which I know some people do, because I know people that. Went to these processions somewhere, you know, in New York City and New Jersey, but they were made him feeling ashamed that they were doing something wild and right. and not Puritan, right. you know, the, the Puritan Anglo-Saxon mentality. That's not what the Southern right. Italians carry.
2: I would almost say the tarantella we do at weddings is a acceptable version of right. quote unquote acceptable version. It's a it's the not embarrassing version, quote unquote. Right. You know, kind of the same way. Right. You know, well, me, for Italian Americans. Right, right. Right. For 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 an immigrant population that's trying to assimilate and be more American. And, you know, it's it's almost the same thing as growing up when we went to funerals. My mother, my aunts, it was they keened, they screamed, they yelled. They, it was part of the mourning process. And right. it, even up to nine years ago, my father passed away. That oh, happened. Sorry. But it's, it's less. It's less. It's very powerful, and I can see sometimes that when that generation's gone, I don't know that any- anyone is going to do that anymore because it's not really acceptable. It's
1: it's not acceptable. It's quote but... unquote
2: embarrassing. Not right. to me, because I'm, you know, I'm me. <laughs> I love these <laughs> traditions. God. I think it's beautiful. I think you to, grew up
1: going to Montevergina. That's unusual. for, for you someone. Yeah, we see. went to
2: feasts. And I mean, I always say to myself, Geez, you know, when I pass away, I want people screaming over my casket, too. <laughs> it's painful. It's sad. You know, these, these American funerals where everyone's talking oh, to each other God. and someone's, you know, the dead person's just there and everyone's almost like, a, it's like cocktail hour. Those make, I know those make me uncomfortable. Me yeah. I
1: can never get used to that. Even though I'm from Rome where it's less strong than the sound, but I can't believe, that was like a, a, one of my culture shocks. Right. Yes. But you know, there's all Southern Italian grieving I actually staged it for another uh, play. We did the the Stabat Mater, the passion play at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine. And it's based on that, in which I studied a lot. It's called the Ancient Ceremony of Grief that comes from ancient Greece, where people really did this as a ritual. The crying is a ritual. Mm -hmm. And uh, De Martino wrote a whole book about it. It's called Morte Pianto Rituale. Oh, wow. Um, Ritual, crying, and death. And that's healthy. I mean, you know, you know, now people go to spend hundreds of dollars with psychiatrists that tell, or psychoanalysts. Right, that say, you right. You cry. Right. But <laughs> you got to laugh. We would naturally. Thank God that's one good thing we have, right? That's right. <laughs> no, exactly. But, I mean, but if you think of it, it's really healthy that the community comes together and moans together and lets it out and sends, you know, also sorts of sending love. And prayers to that person. Absolutely.
2: On their journey and and marking and expressing so viscerally the pain that you're in instead of swallowing the pain. And then, like you said, going to get medication, going to a therapist, (laughs) you let it out. It's okay.
1: Yeah, and so I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. My work is based on all of this. Oh, I could know. do a
2: whole show with you, Alessandra, where we just talk about that. I'm, <laughs> I really, I have a lot more to say about that, just from my own experiences. Uh, I mean, uh, and we should do a show one day about death. Honestly, Italian, <laughs>
1: Italian no, American so, uh, traditions, I and and also. I, you know, I've been writing a documentary project, which is about my, all my research and all the different Black Madonnas that I go to and the tarantella ceremonies. So I thought of that with you, we should all stay in touch and, and it has to be done. You know, I know I can guide it and I can lead it because I've done this all my life, but there is no documentary on PBS that you've ever seen that talks about these traditions, that shows the beauty of how this tradition is alive and not something of the past. And I think we can make it up, and we got to find a way, because it's important. I love
2: that idea, and I completely understand what you're saying, which is why aren't these traditions being talked about in our country? You know, why aren't well, I, they portrayed?
0: I, I, think, I think one thing just to talk about for a minute, which I think probably ties into this, is... Alessandro, you're an artist. I mean, you're a lot of things, but you're an artist, and you, mm-hmm. you've created a lot of art in terms of you know music and dance and plays and books. And I think one of the challenges which we try to highlight, you know, as much as we can, is that taking that career path is very difficult in oh, terms of like, yes. you know
1: surviving basically. <laughs> it's true. You got and it. So you got it. You really be- nailed it. Because
0: yeah. of that, like you know, unfortunately, there are probably people out there that aren't able to do this stuff because they haven't figured out how to be able to survive doing it yeah
1: and so because the country now this country when i started it was easier the money for the arts and for ethnic art you know which then ties to the problem that we have now with the government with the state counts when we started you know new york in the 80s was amazing everything was possible in the arts you could really get funded if but it's true what you're saying. I don't know how I made a living doing this when I started this group. I was a, We looked at each other, me and John, like, "How are we going to pay our bills with this?" <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Good question, but, right? Yeah. You know, I, it's hard work. It's sacrifice, and it's, of course, you gotta have talent. If you don't have talent, right? Uh, you know, if you not have talent, especially in New York City, you know, you cannot be as on stage and continue to perform unless you you reach a certain level. So it's very competitive here in the United States, especially in New York. But I think the problem is how do you survive? Because we don't have a structure here that helps artists to create anymore. We don't have that anymore. Absolutely not. And especially an ethnic group like ours that is completely, it's not considered important in the as a neither as a minority or I don't know where we fit we're not a minority but we're not mainstream what are we, we
2: that's, <laughs> a, that's why we've been doing this show for two and a half years we're still trying to find no. out
1: <laughs> no but right but where do we what category do we end when,
2: when you're thirteen percent of the population just in New york state you're mm-hmm. you're not a minority right that's a big big percentage i think it's a mix i mean i think about this a lot and i talk about this a lot i think it's a mix of our apathy and Uh, the fact that also in this in this country we don't vote all the same and in this you know if you don't vote all the same people pay less attention to you it's just the way it is when we used to be a voting block italian americans were paid much more attention to
1: Ah, uh, sure. That's the other generation, though, right? That's
2: right. That's not our generation anymore. No. So, you know, as mm-hmm. you assimilate more, I mean, you know, and that's probably, I don't, this isn't, a, I don't have facts to back this up. It's just my feeling that I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of why the funding has kind of trickled out.
1: Yeah, for there's, you, I what think there doing. is a different uh, coming to the state. It's a, it's a bit of a mystery, but. It, The explanation we got as we lost this funding from the State Council on the Arts that went from 21,000 to 5,000 to zero is that the Italians are not an underserved community, but the the Irish groups get 55,000 a year. Can you believe it? Is that right? Yeah, all the groups get 20,000 up and they're all Hispanic, Irish, African, American, all of their different, Greek, everything but Italian. So I can't believe we got 5,000, and they took that away. They said, we're not underserved. But tell me, are the Irish underserved? That's ridiculous. They speak the, the right. language of the country. Right. And that the Italians do not participate in this. That We cannot prove that the Italians really participate in what we do. And then the best comment was the person that attended our show has that she doesn't know who was Italian because you can't tell by the look. Who is Italian? Isn't that incredible? Mm, I remember you telling me that story.
2: (laughs) I mean, if you look at me, I'm sure a lot of people don't think I'm Italian and I'm a hundred percent first generation Italian American. I'm Italian. you know. I I only have Italian blood in me. That's it. Yeah.
1: You you look totally Mediterranean. So I think that, you know, that's one of the things they try to say. I really think it's discrimination. I don't think people understand how important our community is, what it's given on many levels, but it's also our fault. I think Italians and Italian-Americans have to make themselves be heard.
2: Right, that's what I mean by you know. our apathy. You know, it is it is a form mm-hmm. of discrimination and we kind of just take it and go to work every day. Right. <laughs> you know, right. and then yeah. and spend time with our families. So Yeah, you know, I, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do want to mention... Um, That You you do do mentorships, and you're currently mentoring someone who's been on the show, our friend Mallory Voudoir, who was on episode 44, and we got a terrific reaction to her episode. So before we uh, say goodbye here, if you want to mention, just talk a little bit about that mentoring that you do.
1: Yeah, I'd like to speak to, about that but also about our upcoming performance which is Absolutely. About absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're, you're... So, yeah, Aubrey, you know, was a student of mine's I think for a couple of years. Um very devoted, very very focused and very devoted to connecting to her ancestors. And she's also very knowledgeable. She does her own research which is very important. This is Something that I've experienced. People come to study with me and they think you learn this in three days and then you look at something on YouTube and you get it. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> like you were saying, Anthony, you know, it's a sacrifice. Sometimes it's not about money, but you, if you want to really do this, you have to study, go deep, go into the culture. So she came to study with me and then because she's very good, I decided that we should apply again for the second time to this grant. It's from Foucault's from the City Council on the Arts, and it's it's called the Master Artist Folk Arts Apprenticeship Program. And uh, we received it, you know, I'm considered a Master Folk Artist, especially in the drumming. And she passed it because of her, you know, knowledge and her devotion to learning this. So I'm teaching her individual classes, which... um, we do a Casa Italiana at NYU, which is a great space. They give us the space for free, which is fantastic. Wow. That's an, another place I'm associated with. So she will be in some of my performances soon, in a few months. Because <laughs> it's incredible. a training—it's a training program. So once she's ready, we'll put her, you know, on stage. But I will, and I know she will. She'll take it on and teach others because otherwise. I know we're talking about all this, but, you know, I want young people to learn it and keep doing it. Otherwise, you know, it's great that I've done it, but others have to do it.
2: Right. So the mentorship is to teach her how to teach others, basically. Uh, Yes.
1: yes. And that's what I've been wanting for a long time. And and then I would like to add that, you know, if you're interested in this subject, especially the Tarantella is a healing trance dance and women dance, we're doing a special show at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in Amsterdam Avenue, And 112th Street on June 29th, which is the authentic night of the feast of the Tarantati uh, or the night of the Tarantula for the feast of St. Paul, traditionally, all the people that were bitten by the spider and suffer from Tarantismo in Puglia would gather in a chapel in a church and really let go of their depression, their madness inside the church and ask for the grace. So, we are reenacting it a little bit uh, as much as we can, as authentic as possible. So, it will be very powerful. Um, Where will that be? At the Cathedral of St. John oh, the Design on Amsterdam Avenue at 112th Street on June 29th at 8 p.m. It's a Friday. Um, and we have a dancer actually on stilts that plays St. Paul. So, it's very powerful. It appears. That's- <laughs> It sounds very
0: powerful. It sounds amazing. (laughs) Uh, Alessandra, before we uh, let you go, could you just tell us a little bit about your artist in residence at the cathedral?
1: Yes. And and then there's a couple of things I wanted to just announce. So um, back in 1991, I wrote an opera called The Voyage of the Black Madonna, which is dedicated to the Italian, Southern Italian Seven Sisters, the Seven Black Madonnas the most important one in Virginia by the way, and the one in Sicily, Tindere. Interesting. At that time, there was a dean who's very important, Dean James Parks Morton, who loved us, and they all you know, were very in tune with the Black Madonna, so they asked us to become artists in residence, which means, at that time, that we had a free space for rehearsal and an office, and it was fantastic which lasted many years, but then he retired, so we don't have a space there anymore, like we used to, we were all lucky to have that, but we performed there as, as artists in residence so a lot. Very few people can do that. There isn't that many people that actually are able to do that. But to be that part of the cathedral, you have to have a spiritual mission in your arts. So it has to be spiritual, it cannot just be the entertainment, it has to. Well, that makes sense, yeah. Religious or, or you know spirituality, not necessarily only Christian, because they are very different from the typical churches, you know. But but as long as you are doing something that honors the divine, and you know, in our case, it's the Madonna. So it's a very special place. Do you know it, Anthony? Have you been there?
0: I haven't been there, but I'm I'm interested to go now. After talking, come see
1: us. <laughs> You'll see yeah, something. for sure. And I just would like quickly announce that I lead, now it's sold out, but I lead a pilgrimage to the sacred sites of the Black Madonna. Every summer from August 4th through the 16th, we go to different seven sacred sites all over the south of Italy. And I still teach every summer my healing dance and percussion workshop in Tuscany. called freedom is the cure, which focuses on the healing power of the Tarantella. So that's August 17th through the 24th, and we still have a couple of places for that. So if anyone is interested, you can see it on my website. This so, is all on your website, correct? Yes, yeah, AlessandroBelloni.com. Yeah.
2: And we'll link to all this as usual on the show page. Uh, So the show notes, everyone can find everything that we've talked about in this episode and check it out for themselves.
0: It's just a pleasure to have you. And I'm pretty sure that I think we both know that this is not the last time you'll be on the podcast. There's lots of, (laughs) there's obviously about 150 stories that you probably (laughs) could still tell us on different episodes
2: more. I should send you a picture of the notes I've been taking. I I had a hundred other directions we could have gone in. So of course we're going to have you back on Alessandra. I know know that our listeners are going to love this episode because you talk about a lot of things that i think are just innately inside of us and they're probably dormant and we don't know they're there until we hear it or we feel it or we see
1: it i love that phrase dormant that's part of what i like to do awakening people that are at a dormant mission you know they that's all you have to do is hear it, and then you go. You follow the path. But as
2: Anthony said, it's not an easy path. It's not, no, but worth it, probably. But, you know,
1: <laughs> we can make it happen.
2: Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's very important work, and uh, we all benefit from it. So it's wonderful speaking to you, Thank Alessandra. You. My
1: pleasure. Thank That's you it. for the work That's you're it. doing. We need you both. We need people like you inspire others to do this. Very important.
0: We hope that you enjoyed the interview with Alessandra as much as we did. We really had a blast with her and I'm sure she'll be back in the future. Also, our next episode will be another episode of the Italian American Power Hour, so stay tuned for that. And I also want to mention that uh, this August, I'm going to be turning 40 years old, and because I want to really thank our listeners and because I prefer to give gifts rather than get them, I'm going to be giving away 40 copies of my book, 40 Days in Italy, Con La Mia famiglia, which really can walk you down the path of how to find living relatives in Italy and visit them. exactly what I did. And so I'll be emailing to our email list how you can apply to win one of those 40 copies. I mean, you got a pretty good chance since I'm giving away 40. And if you're not on our email list, just go to italianamericanexperience.com and click join and get on the email list as soon as possible. I'll be sending out an email in the next week or so. And I'm going to be giving away a lot of books and I'm looking forward to it. All right. Remember to connect with us on the social medias to stay up to date on our episodes. We're on Instagram at Italian American, Twitter ital American, and Facebook where the Italian American podcast. Ci vediamo.